Welcome everyone back to the Sanderlanch, covering this week Mistborn, the Hero of Ages, Book Three, Chapters sixty-seven to seventy-two. I'm Dak, and joining me is Data, Joe, and Jamie. Uh, it, so in these chapters, uh, Says talks to the Kanza in the homeland, eventually works his way up to the first generation, and discovers they do in fact have all of the Atium in a box. Meanwhile, Vin says out loud she has to go check on the Adium so she can lead Ruin on a merry chase, which she does. Marsh comes across Gorodel, kills him, and finds Spook's message, uh, and then follows Vin to Luthadel, but because he knows the message, he has his moment of rebellion and gives Vin the edge she needs to win, presumably. All right, so a lot of shit went down these chapters. Hang on every something. The Sandalanch is about to begin. As the tiles of steel and stone crumble to dust of our hope began to rust Choking fear, screaming sound As a reaper comes to ground You turn to face it down because you must And when the world starts to burn At the point of no return Keep a hold of your conviction Tear at the affliction so yeah, yeah, lots of lots of stuff happening uh, in here. Things are starting to move fast. And honestly, I was uh, just since you mentioned it during the intro, I was surprised. I, I I really thought that at some point we 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 theorized about it recently about the Chondra having the Adium, but early on when we got the chapters where like Tensoon is in that room and they talk about the trust and like this big thing that they're holding there. I was like, they're going to connect this, but we never like never, nobody ever latched on to like, Oh, what's the trust? What's this? So what did you guys think now that we found out a bunch of stuff got revealed uh, of these six chapters that we did this time? I think that the ending of these six chapters, like that if ever I have felt a moment when in doing the, doing this podcast and reading these chapters this way, uh, the end of these chapters that we got to today was the was the biggest moment. I was going, we can't end there. Come <laughs> on. <laughs> oh, but it's such a perfect dramatic moment. Like Vin catches. Oh, it is. It, oh man. It's like you did this deliberately, didn't you? Uh, yeah, probably. <laughs> no, I think these were excellent chapters. I'm like happy with all the revelations we're we're getting. Uh, the fight scenes in this chapter were some of the best in the series so far. I think like the climactic battle in Luthadel is just absolutely top-notch. I'm loving it. Can't wait to see um, the rest of how it unfolds. Alas, poor Gorodel. Because like, when I was making my predictions last week, I'm just like, oh, eh, no, he's not going to die. He'll get spiked. Because he's named after one of Brandon's friends. They don't tend to die, so he'll probably get spiked, and then he can get cured later in the book. Yeah, I was wrong. <laughs> um, but I like that that's what set up Marsha's little rebellion, because we've been waiting for that the entire time. And that came out really well to me because I think it was like it's just enough to show that yeah, Marsh was able to do something, uh, like have have his little moment of rebellion, but it's still within the bounds of the fact that you know Ruin has control over him. So it's it seemed like a it walked a fine line of like making him able to reject Ruin's influence too much and just being completely smothered by it. So I liked I like yeah that that came out really well. The, yeah, I'd say the only the only downside to these chapters and it was a necessary one was seeing Khan Par again because fuck that guy. Yeah, nobody likes nobody likes the seconds in general. They're jerks. Yeah, they're kind of dicks. <laughs> so these chapters were fun and exciting, and um, definitely 
rolling into the end of the end of the train here. So uh, I really mainly I liked the last chapter. The other chapters were cool because we did get to get some nice reveals. I uh, I also really really enjoyed the chapter with Sazed and the the first generation where they're discussing things. I think that was one of the coolest parts of the book. Uh, or maybe even the series, really. And um, I really liked Finn's fight with all of the Inquisitors, just like Dax said. And really, I'm just excited to get to the rest, right? So, like, these chapters were great, but I'm I'm excited to get to the end now. You know, I feel like we're we're getting ready to cross the finish line here, so. Yeah, yeah, it's like the finish line of the whole trilogy is on the horizon now yeah i also read the, uh i also read the chapters it may shock you to learn i read them this um, <laughs> far out <laughs> wow i i really like these chapters i've said it before i love when we start getting those short sort of stints with each group and seeing what they're up to and um it just makes me really happy to have a lot going on and coming together at once i thought uh in agreement with with Dak and joe that that scene with Vin fighting the Inquisitors that was written so well, I could I could just see, I could see it, and it was a really cool scene. So that was that was pretty cool. I was thinking that it was going to be all over for Vin, but I've got more hope for her at the end of that chapter. And it was the sort of that penny drop moment. It's like, of course, preservation's not going to talk to her when she's got Ruin's earring in. Ah man. <laughs> so that um that was that was pretty good. Loved Sazed and the first generation. Actually actually having some characters sit down and nut some details out. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> An actual open, honest conversation. Although the fact that Vin is now in Luthadel and Ted Soon is on his way to Fadrex, I was like, no, <laughs> we're running out of time for these two to actually see each other again. But yeah, hopefully he'll yeah, Ted soon will catch up with at least Ellen, and we'll we'll see what happens happens there. <laughs> when when there was a man with a horse at first, I mean I I got there in the end that it was Goradell and he had the sheet of metal from Spook, but at first I was like, oh, maybe Ten soon is now wearing Kelsia's body and Marsh is going to have a showdown with his brother and just maybe that would just completely snap him out of whatever he was doing. Hmm. I was almost a bit disappointed we didn't go that way, but really glad that Marsh got that that moment in the end to be able to do something that actually was helpful but didn't look to be too helpful. I mean, I can't imagine Ruin's too pleased with him that he managed to rip out mm. the spike, but you could plead ignorance on that, I guess. So. How was I supposed to know? You didn't tell me. You mean no. her spike was an earring? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, man. <laughs> But, um, yeah, on the whole, I, I really enjoyed them and I'm just looking forward to where the rest of the chapters go and, and how it all wraps up. Yeah, I, I agree with you that the whole la- that, that fight scene is just really well written and it's like cinematic. You can see it. It's it's one of those things. It's like, oh, if they made a movie, this would be a super awesome part. But then it's also it's kind of gory for that, like the, the guy's head getting ripped off and. Uh, oh, definitely gory, but I think the the moment for me that was like, okay, sit on the edge of my seat was when there was like a flash or something. You could see the the other, like the 13 mm-hmm. 
or standing around, I was like, oh, ooh, spooky, let's go. <laughs> and I think that moment there just was like, that's it, you strap in, you're in for the ride of this battle now, let's go. <laughs> so yep. I was like, that was very cool. It's not what you want to see, 13 Inquisitors. So. I mean, that's terrifying. And I was like, man, 13 of them, like that's that's a lot. Like you've struggled with a couple and not really come out all that well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but okay, then <laughs> you got what you wanted. Yeah, um, yeah. It's, it's like, this was your plan, Vin. Uh, good job, I guess. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay, I guess let's get into these. We start out actually back at Fadrex City. Vin makes it to Luthadel from Fadrex, it seems like, really fast. But uh, that's, I guess, beside the point. She, she does her horseshoe thing. She yeah. goes real fast. She can move very fast when she does that. It's true. So Ellen and Vin are hanging out at Fadrex, uh, watching what's going on. And uh, Yeoman's standing there with them. And he's just like, why, why, why don't they attack? And Vin's like, he wants us to know just how soundly he's going to beat us. Plus, in her mind, she's like, he's waiting to find out where the Adium is. She can't say that out loud, though, because she's told Ruin, you know, that uh, they know where it is. But she's encouraged by the fact that she did trick Ruin. He believed her or seemed to believe her that she she knew where the Adium was. So that's a good sign that he's uh, not all knowing or anything. So she tries to come up with a plan. It's like, I got to make Ruin act and expose his hand. And she thinks about the mist and how the mist managed to help her. And she managed to, like, make Marsh run because the mists helped her. And she's trying to think, like, how come I can draw on the mist this couple times but never other times? Which is one of those things. It's like, oh, we should have seen that. We should have. After, yeah. the, after all the spook and Quillian stuff. Yeah, and honestly, I don't remember. So she doesn't have her earring in when she's fighting the Lord Ruler? It gets knocked out by him, like, when he's pushing her around. Oh. Because that was what gave her the tip-off that you can you you can use Alamancy on metal that's pierced someone's body. Yep. That's right. Okay. Okay. Cool. And I I think the bigger hint in a way was in the way that the ever since like towards the end of book two the mists like stay away from her and we found out at various times that's also how they treat inquisitors was like they move away from them as 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 opposed to Alamancers that they like go towards them. So uh, that was also kind of a little like, oh, there's some sort of hemolurgy happening here, like with the Inquisitors, because the mists are pulling away from her. Uh, but then in the middle of her, her thought process, there's a like the biggest earthquake yet. And uh, Yeoman's just like, we're doomed. He's like, oh, crap. If all the stuff you said is true, then not only is the Lord Ruler dead, but the thing he spent his whole life fighting has now come to destroy the world. Which, yeah, okay, I can see how that would be bad uh, from your perspective there, Yeoman. I mean, it is, but he's still handling a lot better than you'd think he would, considering he's just teamed up with his enemies against it. That's true. He's he's a practical dude, kind of. Yeah. And Ellen's like, okay, so, you know, it's okay. The earthquakes actually killed some of the Coloss by crushing them with rocks, so that's a plus, right? And if things get rough, we'll retreat inside the cavern. And Yoman's like, wait, underground during earthquakes? Really? And Ellen's like, giving the Lord Ruler some credit. He's like, if I know the Lord Ruler, he anticipated these earthquakes and so the caverns will be a good place to withstand them which you think would be right up yeoman's alley to be like yes right the lord ruler knew things he planned but he's not really comforted by this but then ellen like turns to vin and it's like i was, I was being strong for yeoman but he has a point like what are we gonna do we still have no plan to beat ruin and so she decides that clearly 
the reason the mists have helped her in the past is because in those moments she was in real desperate need of help, presumably more desperate than other times. So what she has to do is put herself in that kind of danger again, and that'll solve the problem, which is okay. It's a heck of a, of a plan. She has a, like a sound argument there. I mean, she did, she did very much need all the assistance that she could get when she was able to draw on the mist, but she has been in plenty of situations where she needed the help really badly and couldn't draw on them. So mm-hmm. probably needed to think it through a little bit more, but, I mean, I could see how she got there. No, yeah. I, I mean, and maybe she wouldn't have gone for this plan if she could have thought up any anything else, basically. But it's just like, okay, this is the best I got. So we're mm. going to go for this. We got to do something. We can't just sit here and let Ruin win. So Better than nothing when you're running out of time and the earth is literally crumbling around you. Right. And, of course, she's like, okay, so I've got kind of a plan. Can't tell Ellen what it is, though. So she... It's like if she talks, it needs to sound like it supports what she's what she's already tricked Ruin into thinking. Like Ellen and Vin both know about the Adium. So she's like, Ellen, uh, I have to go get it. And Ellen's looking at her. He's like, the Adium? Like he gets her. I love Wink. so much. <laughs> I was like. I would love to know what was going on in Ellen's head at the same time this was happening. Like, he managed to cotton on, but I like to think there was very, like, slurred – not slurred, but, like, delayed speech and, like, on some level Vin is, like, doing this big wink. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, just just go with it, man. (laughs) Here's that bit where I need you to trust me. I just thought it was great. (laughs) Need to go get it. Tensor? (laughs) (laughs) It. <laughs> like, Tensoon is a male, Vin. That's just rude. <laughs> you need to get it. Our baby? Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Rue's just like, how the fuck did I miss that? Yeah, how do you miss that exactly? Ellen at the same time would be like, I think I would have noticed that. Uh... <laughs> and so, yeah, they kind of they, they do a little act here. And Vin thinks it seems kind of flimsy. But maybe it's just because she knows him so well. I think it also seems kind of flimsy, I'm just saying. But Ruin, I guess, falls for it. That's all that really matters. Well, whether whether he falls for it or not, it's the best lead he has. So Yeah, that's true. He doesn't have any other options. So, And then she ends the chapter. But she, she's, t- she's taken off, going to head for Luthadel. And she thinks, let's have a chase, you and I. Which harkens all the way back to the first book, towards the beginning of the book, when Kelsier is going to lead an Inquisitor away. And he says the same line. Oh, I didn't actually even touch on the uh, epigraph for this chapter. I didn't realize till we got to the next epigraph. Not really much in this epigraph, actually. It's like the Kolos had four spikes, so they were easy to dominate because of their diminished mental capacity. Only in the throes of blood frenzy did they have any autonomy. Which kind of, I guess, builds up to what we see later for Marsh, where it's like when he's going nuts and attacking, then he gets a little bit more control. But I guess we also find out, which I'm not sure that we knew, that even today, Coloss can be taken by a determined push from a regular Alamancer. You don't have to use Duralumin. Yes, just what what qualifies as determined. Yeah, it's a good point. I wonder if Breeze has ever tried. Yeah, Breeze it's clearly that for him. It's clearly yeah. just a setup for when they bring all these mistings. Like the epigraph has to say, oh, by the way, normal mistings can do this too. So that when they bring all these mistings, they can 
take control of Colos. That's, I mean, it's Brandon's just covering himself here, I feel like. I don't know. I mean, a while back, like maybe last book, I would have bought that, but we just saw that, like, Ruin can steal control whenever he feels like it. So I don't know that, like, unless they stop Ruin from being able to control them somehow. I guess that would make sense. Hmm. Okay. So the next epigraph is talking about when the Lord Ruler offers his plan to his friends, he made them speak on behalf of all ferrochemists. Uh, his friends were the only ones who got to be Chondra. All the rest got to be Mistwraiths. And it's the children of those original Mistwraiths over the generations that make up the other Chondra generations. But, whoops, Rashek transformed all, like, current ferrochemists into Mistwraiths. He didn't think about the fact that there's still some ferrochemy in the genetic code of people who are not actually ferrochemists. So he didn't anticipate more ferrochemists being born, basically. Major oversight. What a fool. Which fits Rushek. It's like, oh no, I didn't think of this thing. Ah. Yeah, once and we've talked about before, like, even with all that power, he was like a herdsman or like a mountain guide, maybe. Uh, he's he wasn't an educated dude who would have known about even if that information, even if people are in, in the world knew that, he wouldn't have known that like there's genetic stuff that, you know, could still be passed down. So we cut to Sazed. And he's like, man, well, he, he's, he's being escorted by guards. And he's kind of struck by the fact that while they're using crazy different, you know, wood or stone or other stuff for bones, they're all, they pick basically human shapes. And he's like, well, I guess they did used to be human or their ancestors. So maybe that makes sense. They don't have buildings because they're underground. So it's more like caves. And yeah. The lights are made of fungus that glows, so that's... Made me think of... I know they do have buildings, but it kind of made me think of Guado Salam in Final yeah, Fantasy X. I can see that. Now, this is where you go to find the far plane. Yep, so. all the all the dead people reanimated by the pyreflies. Final Fantasy podcast again for, for, for the Final Fantasy people. There you go. There's your little taste. The first <laughs> taste is free. Um, but I, Says is like, they all seem kind of scared of me. Which is weird, because I'm not generally considered a scary dude, but it's probably more the fact of his presence here. that I don't guess there's been outsiders in the homeland ever, so... Well, and he did say, like, I'm the announcer, so if that got around, people are like, holy shit, the harbinger of the end of the world is here. Uh, that's true, yep. We don't know how much information has gotten around. Uh, and he's like, hey, so what would you do if I tried to run? And they're like, um... <laughs> And he's like, so can I assume that from your hesitance that you still can't kill humans? And he's like, we follow the first contract, which I guess is his way of saying yes. He's like, ah, interesting, interesting. So uh, who'd you make that contract with, Lord Ruler? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, he is dead. So does that mean your contract is no longer valid? And the Condor's like, I, I don't know. He's, he's the low-level Condor. He doesn't know these things. Well, I don't know that so this, is, this is a Wendy's. Dude, this is a Wendy's. <laughs> uh, well, I'd like to order some food. Well, you have to come to the store to order. Well, I'll come pick it up. Uh, just let me know when it'll be ready. Well, it's ready now. Okay, well, then put it aside. <laughs> Wendy's is pretty fast. All right, got me, got me thinking about Wendy's now. Have you tried their <laughs> breakfast? It's pretty good. We don't even have Wendy's down here. I just know the meme. Aww. That's sad. Wendy's. I didn't know they had breakfast. Yeah, they got some good breakfast stuff. Where did I go the other day where I'm like, this burger tastes like Wendy's? 
but was, it wasn't Wendy's. Wendy's. No, it wasn't yeah. Wendy's. Hmm. I don't remember. I but don't I was like, I might as well have just gone to Wendy's because that's what it tastes like. <laughs> oh, In-N-Out Burger. In-N-Out Burgers taste like Wendy's Burgers, in my opinion. Oh, when you were in California, you went to In-N-Out? No, when I was in Fort Worth, I went to In-N-Out. Oh, okay. Don't pigeonhole me. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> When I went to California, when I was in California, I went to Burger Lounge and I had a vegan burger and it was actually really good. It was like a quinoa burger. Interesting. All right. Hmm. Okay. Sorry. So back to the the. Uh, I feel like none of the Conjure have considered or have felt like considering what this means for like their life that the Lord Ruler is now dead. They're still just trying to be like, no, we're just going on normal. Everything's normal. Don't think too hard about it. I mean, that's like. Regular people, I feel like, in most situations. Yeah. Hey, Conjurer people too, dude. Yeah, they're uh, just not boneless. regular people. Boneless people. If if they make bones, then they're not boneless people, right? So. They don't have natural bones, though. Eh. I like that when he meets the second generation, he instantly pegs them. He's like, ah, aristocrats. I get it. Aristocrat is shorthand for dickhole. <laughs> oh, yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's the final empire. So... Think about the aristocrats in the final empire. Yeah, pretty much. Yep. And I like the says is just he's just like, hey, there's a lot of metal plating around this chamber. Is this like ornamental or is it sort of? He's just chatting. And the guy's like, we'll ask the questions, Terrisman. And so he's like, no, actually, no, you're not gonna. I am sazed. Holy announcer. Ruler of planet Omicron Persei. <laughs> Turn down the TV and dunda. So I feel like Says is finally kind of back uh, in his stride at this point. Like, he's being sassy. He's he's putting people in their place. It's kind of fun to see. Yeah. He's finally got a higher cause to work towards. Yep. I miss that Says. Right? Uh, let's see. So all of the second generation shows up. He's like, Cause I, you know, I'm going to talk to you people, and you're going to listen. And finally, the one of the, the second generation guy he met up with was like, okay, go get the others. So, a few minutes later, all they're they're all there, all twelve of the second generation, plus I guess their attendants, who brought him a table because he was like, I'll also I'm gonna need a table and a chair and something to write with, and snacks, lots yeah, of snacks. snacks. I don't know that you want whatever snacks they've got, dude. I'm just saying. <laughs> we have this um, human corpse. Do you want to eat that? <laughs> Delicious aged meat. I mean, you never know. Maybe some of their tastes come from what they used to like as terrorist people. Maybe, sure. maybe some hey, of them feels the same way. Age meets like uh, age meets like a new thing. Like people do that stuff. Well, they do age meat, they yeah. Too, and then they cook it up, and yeah. yeah. I, I I think it comes more from the fact that like the the mist rates that they evolve from are like carrion eaters, because sure. that's all they can get basically out in the wilderness, but. Yeah, maybe. Maybe Terrasmen secretly also like rotting meat. We don't know for sure they don't. And Sazed is still very, he's like, I'm I'm in charge here, by the way. I mean, he is third in line uh, to the throne of the Empire, so just, you know, he's, yeah. he's a pretty important dude. He's like, maybe you guys heard. I don't know. I'm uh, very important. I don't know if you know this. I'm kind I'm of a very important. I'm kind of a big deal. People uh, know me. He's like, I assume that you, you guys are the first generation. And they're like, no, we're the second. And he's like, oh, well, I'm, I'm sorry for wasting your time. Where do I find the people in charge of you? I'll need this table moved wherever they are. Yeah. <laughs> See, now Says is coming off like a real aristocrat. 
you know, you gotta you gotta play the part to get any respect from the other from the aristocrats, that's, right? That's it. That's how you gotta talk to these people, otherwise they don't listen to you. They didn't listen that's to like, Ten Soon. We know that. So yeah, it's like you understand only one thing: assholery. <laughs> <laughs> and they're just like you're not the announcer this isn't the end he's like well, have you seen how much ash there is up there that look we've lived a long time sometimes the ash just falls more often than other times like, oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like uh, it's like people talking about global warming it's like hey you know it's 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 been hotter we've, we've seen it <laughs> we've seen it we've seen polar ice caps melt before uh, he's like Oh, okay, fine. Uh, so maybe you saw, you've seen the Lord Ruler die before then too, and they're all like, "Oh." Um, uh. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Ted Stern sent you, didn't he? It's like, well, yeah. If you're gonna, if you got to change the subject, then yeah, okay. Yeah, <laughs> I, I like how everybody just keeps rubbing in their face, like your dad's dead. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, but Says kind of points out, which we did. I don't think we really knew what his intention was in coming here, other than finding his original religion, but he's got more of a a plan that will be helpful for the world beyond just himself. Because he's like, look, you guys know what the, this religion originally said. I have this big book that Ruin has changed to trick us. If we compare what it said to what it says now, we can find out exactly what he changed, which might tell us what he's trying to do. Which I was like, geez, that's actually a really good plan, Sazed. I'm glad I'm glad you came up with this. He's just looking for a study group. <laughs> Tindwell's gone. He needs study buddies now. But uh Conpar is not really interested in hearing what Sazed has to say. And he's probably about to say something shitty until finally a voice is like, That will be enough, Conpar. And uh they're like, Seconds, you can go. And they're like, What leave you with this outsider? And the voice is like, no, a descendant. We will hear him. Leave us. And we finally meet the yeah. first generation, who were not just puppets up in the top uh, alcoves, as it turns out. So disappointed. I really thought that <laughs> was <laughs> But it also just means, that, like, all through Tensoon's trial, these guys, like, had to know he was talking, like, reality and just didn't give a shit. So, yeah. still kind of pissed at these guys. Yep, yep. And these guys look a little bit different from other Chandra. Like, they got droopy skin that's, like, kind of weird. I think it's described as, like, hanging from, like, moss from bone branches. And they have human bones inside. And he says that they look kind of, like, elderly. And they walk with canes. And so he's like, are those human bones? And, like, actually, they're our own bones. Uh, we didn't know how to make true bodies back in the beginning, so... The Lord Ruler gave us our original bones back, which how very generous of you to give them the bones that belong to them already. <laughs> Some of them got mixed femurs round, so it got kind of awkward trying to swap back. <laughs> See, he he used his magical power to turn them all into blobs, but I guess it, they left the bones behind when they became blobs. <laughs> it's just it's so sure. weird. You know, just muscle and tissue. Uh, and Brandon explains in the annotations that's like these guys have never really learned to take other forms very well. And the ones, the later generations are created from mist wraiths and they already have like an instinctive ability to like take something and like copy that form or whatever from when they were mist wraiths because that's what they do. These guys didn't have that. They used to be human and then they got turned into blobs. So they're 
not really as blobby uh, or as, as, as good at being blobs as the other generation. <laughs> they're not as blobby. <laughs> <laughs> That's my blob. Yeah, they're going to like show up. They show up and they're like, we'll be your study buddies, but don't fall in love with this kid. <laughs> doing this because I want to. So, yeah, uh, there's only 10 members of the first generation. And they sit down like, OK, let's get to work. And that's the end of the chapter. It's study time. Boom. This is like says dramatic action moment where he's like, let's study. <laughs> yeah, it's like the it's like the montage. It's like we're going to need a montage. And it's just like them talking and him writing. Yep. Turning pages in his big book. There's pictures like in Hot Fuzz where they had like the scene of him doing paperwork and it was like really quick action sort of yep. cuts and zoom ins and stuff like that and dramatic music. I love that. It's almost like everyone got their, got like what they wanted. You know, Ellen and um, Yeoman have got their conversation, you know, still coming back to their books that they've read and all that sort of stuff, which Ellen is quite clearly enjoying. Vin gets to fight some inquisitors. Sazed gets to do some research. It's like everyone's having just, if the world wasn't ending, everyone's having a good day. <laughs> they're all doing what they want to do and what they're good at. Marsh got his rebellion. Yep. Yep, Marsh got. Yeah. I don't. I don't know that Vin really wants to fight thirteen Inquisitors, but I mean, she did elect to fight thirteen Inquisitors, so I yeah. guess you could call it. I will admit. The fighting though, and she does enjoy the fighting. Probably not thirteen Inquisitors at once, but mm. a bit of a challenge in a fight. I think she really enjoys. <laughs> a little bit. When you were outlining that, I wasn't sure where you were going with it, and I thought to myself, Vin got beat up. Yeah, she loves that, don't you know? Well, Ugh. not that part of it. <laughs> okay, just disregard what I said. Fine. She, she, yeah, she managed to kill that an part's pretty rough. so that part at least is pretty badass. Yeah, yeah. She loves doing yeah, that. Yeah, she like, she like th- you know, knocked him off the spire and then rammed him through a spike. That's pretty cool. It's like also, Kelsey killed an Inquisitor once. She's just like, I'm gonna, I've already beat his count. I gotta see how many I can rack up. Also, what you said is still true because she wanted the mists to like talk to her, and she eventually got that. That's true. Help. Good boy. So, oh gosh. Uh, so the next epigraph, it's like the question still remains: Where did the original prophecies about the hero of ages come from? Like, I this person is the hero of ages, and they still don't know. They're like, uh, who who first taught this? How long has this been around? One who would be an emperor of all mankind, yet rejected by his own people, uh, would repair that which has been sundered. And who decided to use the neutral pronouns so that we wouldn't know if the hero was a woman or a man? Still pushing that. It's like it could be anybody. Woman, man, the Inquisitor, maybe. Bear. I got a, I, I got a, I got a, <laughs> a, a, a message on Discord from somebody who, I, I don't know if they're reading along for the first time. It sounded like it. They're like, wait, I just had an idea. What if Tensoon is the hero of ages? And I was like, I can see how that could fit some of this stuff. Sure. Yep. He was rejected by his own people. He was definitely rejected by his own people. He's outside the terrorist people. Yeah. And yet still kind of part of them because he's descended from them. Uh, he's also nigh immortal because these things can live forever, apparently. So anyway, <laughs> he, he got he got stuck in a cave somewhere. He had nothing to do but write for like hundreds yeah, of years. That's what it is. Yeah. There's a cave. This, this is just out. him writing on the walls. It's like, I want to get out. No one could move the rock. <laughs> yeah, he's using his dog, his dog nails to like write in the metal. <laughs> that would that would suck. So we cut to Marsh, who's just kneeling in Ash, in the world of Ash. 
and kind of beat himself up because he was like, I was right there with Vin and I couldn't even do anything. But he is also encouraged by the fact that there was a moment there where Ruin seems to have feared her and made Marsh run. So that's nice to know that the thing can be scared and must have a reason for being scared. We also find out that those Kolos that Ellen went and took, that he was like, man, it's so weird. There's usually a, an Inquisitor with an army this big, with a Kolos group this big. Those were Marsh's Kolos, and he'd been ordered to let Ellen steal them. So that explains the one tiny mystery. And then he gets the command to stand and uh, go somewhere. And he starts dropping coins and reusing them kind of like Vin does with the horseshoes. But horseshoes would have been better because they're more metal. And actually, there's a little note in the annotations here that was like, yeah, Ruin's like copying Vin's horseshoe trick. He'd actually never seen that before. In a thousand years, Vin is like the first person to come up with this. So go her. Woohoo, horseshoe girl. And uh, yeah, he comes up on... A guy he doesn't know, wearing a pack, leading a horse, build of a soldier, square face, balding. So I, Jamie said it took her a while to to catch on to who it was. Did it take uh, you guys a bit to figure out who he was finding? As soon as it said he was going, or as soon as it said he was trudging through the ash on a horse by himself, I was like, oh, that's Gordell. Yeah, I had a feeling. It's like, like Marsh doesn't know this person, but this is clearly important. Yeah, this is probably Gordell. The only guy crazy enough to be out here on his own right now. And honestly, considering who he's fighting, he puts up a pretty good fight. Yeah. Like he gets his sword out and kind of holds his own for a minute. Marsh cuts off the legs of the horse, which I did. I didn't need that bit of it, but whatever. Uh, he gets he, the guy managed to just stick his sword through Marsh's back, which that's a pretty good. Most people are not going to manage that well against an Inquisitor. I mean, it does say he wasn't expecting the dude to actually attack him. He's like, oh, you're actually fighting back? Okay. Right. And then once he gets the sword away from him, he's like, okay, this guy's going to take off now. But no, Gordel whips out a dagger from his boot. And he's like, okay, let's do this. So I got I to give this guy props. Like, if Brandon's going to kill his friends, he, he at least lets him go out like a badass. That's fair. And he tries to destroy the message to stop them from getting yep. it, which is also pretty cool. Yep, with his last bit of strength after, like, he gets chopped up pretty good. He's, like, tries to pull it out and crumple up the little sheet of metal to destroy the message. Uh, but Marsh does not allow that to happen. Uh, chops his arm off and then his head. And then Ruin makes Marsh read the note out loud. So Ruin can't see what's written in metal. I think that pretty much confirms it for us if we still weren't sure. But Inquisitors can. And the Inquisitors can read it for him, so that works out. Yeah, and so here's where I was confused because I've uh, we've been told before that Inquisitors don't have the same kind of sight. Mm-hmm. They've got like weird, you know, line sight. Yeah. So are the etchings lines that they can read? Like, how is he reading this? I guess I mean the line sight is supposedly in so much detail that they can make out things all the time. Like, hmm. so I guess it's like some of the lines go slightly further than the other lines. I don't know. It's hard for me to picture how it works. It's like when Neo's in the Matrix and he sees everything in, like, the ones and zeros, but they form the shape of people and stuff like that. I assume Mm. it's sort of similar to that, and it's, like, in such a fine detail, he can make out the words on the metal. It's funny you say that, because that's kind of the same way I was picturing it. I know Kung Fu. (laughs) But everyone was like, I wonder what Spook is telling her, and we find out. He's sending Vin a message. It's like, and he kind of, honestly, for a message that he had to write while in excruciating pain from all his burns and scratching it physically into a sheet of metal. He rambles a little bit here. He like him and <laughs> get along. 
He's like, my mind is clouded. A part of me wonders what is real anymore. Uh, but I have to tell you, don't know if it'll matter. See, he just, it's like, come on, dude. You don't need to get all wishy-washy. Like, do you really need to say, I don't know if it will matter, but I must say it nonetheless? That That's like two sentences or one sentence, a compound sentence. That's not really adding anything to the message. <laughs> Why is everyone in this crew so overdramatic? <laughs> but he's, he's telling her, it's like a little piece of metal piercing the body allows it to twist your thoughts. Appeared to me as Kelsier and the king here. Don't trust anyone pierced by metal. Even the smallest bit can taint a man. Spook. So Marsh is like, okay. And then is ordered to crumple up the metal and throw it down and take off, leaving the message and the dead guy and his horse to be buried in ash. So, yeah, I don't know. What did you guys think at that point? Because this was our one our one link from Spook story to Vin. Other than maybe, I mean, Says didn't know about this. Says left before we found out about this. Maybe you could say Tensoon is kind of a link, but this was our the message, why everything that went on there mattered and the information we were going to get to Vin, and then it seems gone, like gone forever. Yeah. I don't know. What did you guys think? I honestly thought, well, that was a waste of time. Yeah, no, I can see that. I don't know. Like, I did feel a bit bummed that it's like, oh, that was abrupt and over, but I'm just like, oh, I can't help but feel like this is going to go on a bit more for something. And then, yeah, we get validation when Marsh did it, which is cool. Cause then it ties Marsh's story into the whole thing as well. So I thought that could, if, yeah, uh, if we had read the, like this chapter separate to the one where Marsh actually rips the earring out, it, I probably would have been like severely more bummed out, but uh, because we got the, the continuous part there, I'm just like, no, that, that comes together really well. I like that. Yeah. And I, that's one of the things that I, that I really like about the whole setup is you get that moment, and I'm pretty sure I did the first time I read through it, which is like, okay, now that entire thing feels pointless. And then it's like, oh, he engineered it so that it would feel pointless, which makes the payoff even better when you find out that there was a point, and here's how it all, like, clicks together. Yeah. I uh, sort of expected on some level that it wouldn't pan out. Oh, I yeah. Mean, I'm going to die anyway, so it makes <laughs> sense. Every little, every little thing they try and do is just a little bit pointless now, but... Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. If we're yeah. moving towards, like, everybody's going to die, then basically the end of the book would have to be you see gradually, oh, nope, that was pointless, and that was pointless, and nothing is working. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. I feel like I feel like that's how the King Killer books, if they ever end, are going to end. It's going to be very sad and depressing. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, not as depressing as The Wait for the third one, but oh, probably close. Yeah. Uh, the wait will continue. So, oh, so here in the next epigraph is where we get a part that I actually talked about earlier because I thought it was from something else, but it's like, Quellian stuck his own spike in there. The man was never entirely stable. His fervor for following Kelsier and killing the nobility was enhanced by ruin, but Quellian already had those impulses. And he had a bronze spike from one of the first Alamancers he captured, which made him a seeker to help him find other Alamancers. So yeah, we talked about all this, basically. Unstable personalities were more susceptible to Ruin's influence, even if they didn't have a spike. That, indeed, is likely how Zane got his spike. It's kind of a hand wave, though, because I'm just like, all right, but if he couldn't see you or could, like, fully communicate with you, how'd you convince him to do that? Like, unstable, sure, but there's, like, there's someone with an unstable personality. There's someone just like, you know what's going to be a good idea? Kill someone with a spike and stick it into myself. In my mind, yeah, it's, it's kind of like how I got to that point. I feel like it, it's like what he was doing with Vin, not when he appears to Vin and tells her stuff, but when he kind of 
manipulates her to make her like interested in finding the adium or that kind of thing where he's like just changing her thoughts a little bit gradually a little bit at a time that's how i see but she's it had, she still had the piercing at that that's at true that time though yeah so it says like i feel like that's how he's influencing these people because it says un- being unstable makes you susceptible to ruin's influence which so i I've, get but i just, I just want to know the specifics behind that yeah i agree with you it's a long way to go if you don't have god kelsier standing there telling you to do it then it's like how does this end up being a good idea like where in your brain do you get to the point where it's like man i should kill somebody with a spike and stick it in myself yeah like i don't yeah i like i don't think it's outside their own possibility like i can see that you know unstable people like someone who's unstable could conceivably do something like that i just want to know the thought process involved i guess Mm. the world may never know and then we cut this is the the interesting chapter for me i feel like the the yeoman ellen conversation where a yeoman's like i don't see the point any of this why are we walking around talking to soldiers and visiting the wounded and shit and he yeoman is the one constantly accusing ellen of like getting all of his king knowledge out of a book and thinking that makes him good enough to be king and this is where ellen kind of turns it around and shows him this is the kind of shit that you don't learn from those books that we've both read, that this stuff matters. And it's great that, like, whenever Yeoman says something, Ellen just can call him out like, oh, yeah, you got that from this book. I recognize that quote, too. It's like the goodwill hunting scene. Now, how do you like them apples? I don't like the sound of them apples, Will. What are we going to do? Chucky. What did I say? Yeah? It's hunting season. What did I say? You were going to be back in here regurgitating Gordon Wood, but you forgot about Fickers. Oh, man. Applesauce. What are you, wicked smart? I totally turned on Goodwill Hunting the other day just to watch that that bar scene because it's funny. <laughs> and a couple of the Robin Williams scenes because Robin Williams is just amazing. So. R.I.P. Anyway. and So at one point, Ellen just calls him out. He's like, you don't know much about leading soldiers, do you? And he's like, I know more than you ever will about tactics and supply lines and running of armies between distinct points. He's like, oh, so you've read uh, this book, too. That line was a giveaway. And Yeoman's like, "Eh, shut up. He doesn't say shut up. He just frowns. But it's the same thing. Yeah. He's like, I'm the canton of resource, damn it. You want to run this ship? Yes. Well, you you can't. can't. (laughs) Oh, gosh. And. Yeoman finally gives him kind of a compliment. He's like, you're an interesting man. And Ellen's like, I'm a bastard. And Yeoman's like, what? He's like, no, not in composition, not temperament or by birth. My parents were married, just FYI, in case you were wondering. I've had to be part this, part that, part this. So, I, you know, I don't even know who I am these days. Whereas all his brothers and sisters really were bastards. Yeah, that would certainly seem to be the case. So they go and they talk to people in the uh, in the infirmary. And Ellen is thinking, like, we can't win. Like, this is bad. I brought all these Kolos, and now they're going to kill us all. Which is kind of what happened to Jastis, let's be honest. Showing up at somebody's city with a Kolos army just does not work out well for you in these books. And then we find a little boy gets brought in who is having a little a fit because of mist sickness. And the woman's like, oh, I know. I kept him inside. I, I knew that the mist wanted him. And Yeoman's pissed off, like... I told everyone that er- everyone in the city was supposed to be exposed to mists a long time ago. Now your son will take up a bed needed for soldiers. Good bedside manner, dude. Yeah, well. He's not wrong. 
Also, when you're the ruler and you find out that people are disobeying your orders, it, it, you don't tend to be super happy about it. Sure, sure. I mean, again, Big Lebowski, you're not wrong. You're just an you're asshole. Just, yeah, exactly. And so he's like, hey, maybe Yeoman knows. Yeoman's a bookish guy. Maybe he'll be able to answer. Like, Yeoman, did you ever notice this, like, 16 thing with the mists? And instead of being surprised, Yeoman's like, yeah, that makes sense. And <laughs> what? Not expecting that response. <laughs> no, he was yeah. not. At first... I, at first, I thought Yeoman was just being like, yeah, I do. I know something you don't. And then it's like, no, for real, though. It, he's like, no, it, it makes sense because of these things. Yeah. I mean, he's got, like, some numerology stuff going on. I was like, 16 is a holy number. The days the Lord Ruler took to reach the Well of Ascension. Uh, and the number of original inquisitors. The number of precepts in each canton charter. Which is funny because Demu showed us, like, the Church of the Survivor also was like, 16 has these important connotations in our religion. Apparently, it's also important in the Lord Ruler's religion. That's a weird coincidence. I am 16, going on 17. <laughs> but the part that takes Ellen, and I'm hoping you guys, a little by surprise, is where he's like, oh, and it's the number of alimantic metals. And Ellen's like, wait, yeah, what? what? Yeah. And uh, he's like, no, there's only 14. And Yoma's like, well, 14 that we know of, assuming that Vin was right about Duralumen, because he didn't even know about Duralumen, apparently. But 14 isn't a number of power, so it can't be the number. It, it, 16 makes so way that, more sense. So that just sounds like a, <laughs> a, a guess to him, though. It's like, well, 14 is not a holy number, so it must be 16 alimantic metals. I'm like, okay, that's a reach. Yeah, exactly, what right? What would you do if it turned out there was 18? <laughs> I guess we have a new holy number. Whoops. <laughs> Turns out one of the things Rorschach wasn't good at was arithmetic. <laughs> 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 There's a line in um, Apollo 13. It's like, how did how did you figure that out? <laughs> and Kevin Bacon's like, I could add. <laughs> That's what I see. You, you'd think a herdsman would be good at basic arithmetic. You know, he's got to count his, uh, you know, herd. <laughs> <laughs> but that, assuming that he's right, is what lets Ellen start putting some things together. And he's like, wait, we got to find somebody who who who's taken by the mists. So they go around. They're like, hey, you soldier, like who 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 here was taken by the mists? And this soldier is like, yeah, I was. I'm sorry. I know that, you know, the survivor must hate me and that's why I'm injured or whatever. And he's like, no, shut up. Don't care about any of that. Drink this. <laughs> oh, my God. My emperor is buying me a drink. And he's like, do you do, do you feel anything? And uh, he's like, what, what, what? I'm tired. And then he's like, wait, that's weird. <laughs> he's like, I never felt that before. Yeah. I feel a warmth spreading through my entire body. <laughs> Sir, did you spike my drink? Just, did you uh, did you just make me pee my pants? Well, I think they I, I think they usually have these in like some sort of alcohol solution. They told us early on, so he kind of did. <laughs> my emperor's getting me drunk. Yeah, is this like green alcohol? Am I gonna be okay? <laughs> but yeah, he he realizes the mists were not hurting us exactly. They were snapping people. They were revealing alamancers and or bringing out the potential for Alamancy in people. We have an army of Alamancers that we didn't know about. And of course, the moment he starts to explain this to Yeoman, Ruin hears what he's saying, and the Kolos begin to attack, because Ruin can't let them get their new army up and running. Ruin's just like, oh, oh, shit, 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 guys, go now, go now. <laughs> it's all go, full go. Leroy yeah. Jenkins. And I think I predicted something like this. But I didn't know that it was, like, actually snapping them. I thought they were just getting sick and it wasn't working. Yeah. 
and there's there's hints that have been spread out like uh you know like preservation pointing at the medals when he asks like because preservation's like no i'm not killing your people and he's like well what are you doing and he points at the medals because uh, he can't say you know anything so that was part yeah, of it I totally missed that but the other yeah, thing that i think threw everyone off which was one of the biggest hints but like threw you guys for a loop was the thing about how no noblemen get taken by the mist sickness because they've already had their beatings exactly and 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 yeah that's the thing because it was like it's not genetic because people with like some noble blood who are scott they still get taken it's something about being brought up as a noble and so that's what it was they've all already had these beatings which Ellen kind of lays out in the chapter, but it's just, that was, that was the big clue. I think for me, the first time I read it, I don't remember if I actually caught onto it before this, but that stuck out to me at the time. So yeah, I don't know what's better. Uh, I, the, the mystic doesn't seem as bad as being beaten uh, ritually to bring out your allomancy, but it doesn't, it's not fun apparently. Well, it did still kill some people. So yep. The people uh, too old or sick or whatever to survive the process. Those people wouldn't have survived a beating, I guess, either. So Yeah, probably not. Mm-mm. But it does still leave the question out there. There's still one sixteenth of those people who were uh, sick longer than the rest. Mistborn. <laughs> do, 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 do. Dude, that'd be pretty sweet if Damon was a Mistborn. That would. Yeah. It's like, will, will we ever find that out? Is he just lying dead in the ash somewhere? Yeah, we still don't know where he went. So That's a good point. He was was sent back to Luthadel, and then Vin gets there, and it's like, well, this place is fucked. Yeah, the city seems completely empty when Vin gets there, so uh, who knows? We know that most people, like, they they sent a bunch of people back and forth, and very few people actually made it. Messenger and scouts and stuff were all getting killed, so who knows? All right, next epigraph, because that was the end of the chapter. Ruins attacking just when we found out that we have this big advantage that we didn't know about. Of course, you know, like... A bunch of them are going to be soothers or something, and that's not going to be real helpful. You're going to have seekers and, like, copper clouds. And it's like, okay, well, you're not going to be much help in this battle, but thanks for coming, I guess. They did raise a little hint, though, that um, in one of the epigraphs, I think, that was it the Colos, they could still, I guess, be controlled by people with a regular... Yep. Alimantic ability, so maybe they'll be more useful than we think they will be. Yeah, that's, that's what true. we were talking about earlier when I said Brand is just writing himself out of a corner. Mm. Yeah, I, I was doubtful because I, you know we saw Ruin take the Coloss from Vin and Ellen really easily, but yeah, uh, I, I mean y'all have a good point. We suddenly have a bunch of new soothers and stuff, and we've established that they can take Coloss with a determined push, quote unquote, whatever that meant. So. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's a that's that's a big setup that might pay off that way. Uh, OK, next epigraph. There's something special about the number 16. It was a preservation sign to mankind. He gave up his mind to imprison Ruin so he wouldn't be able to communicate with people. He had to leave clues that Ruin couldn't change. Clues related to the fundamental laws of the universe. The number was supposed to be proof that something unnatural was happening and that help was there to be found. It may have taken us a long time to figure this out, but we eventually got there. But there's uh, other aspects to the number beyond what this person even knows at this point. Like There seems to be greater ramifications regarding how the world and the universe itself works. So 16 will continue to have importance, apparently, according to this. And we come back to Sazed, which is really, this is the, the high energy scene that everyone uh, wanted to come back to. 
So the the say study hall session. And so it's like, okay, so Ruin's just changing small things, trying to make me see that Vin was the hero of ages. And one of the first generations is like, maybe she wasn't the hero. And Stace is like, eh, I still think she is. The prophecies still seem to refer to her. I think Ruin just wanted to make it more obvious so that she would, we, we would figure it out and she would free him. And apparently the gender neutral thing is not like one of the changes that is in the original prophecies. So, and they get into a discussion. It's like, what was the power at the well of Ascension? And he's like, look, even we don't know. That was a long, that was before our time. And we get a discussion about ruin and preservation. Like they're kind of telling him the mythology behind their religion, which you call it mythology, but we know ruin and preservation are real. And the epigraphs seem to indicate that this stuff is stuff that actually happened. Like they created the world together or whatever. So he's just says gets the thing is like this is so much like other religions that he's a little bit disappointed, but apparently that's because it's true. So mm. preservation gives his life to imprison ruin and keep him from destroying the world. And says just like yeah, you know the martyr god. I've seen this so many times. Like even Kelsier's religion has this. So he's still he's he's just looking for like I'm gonna disprove this religion. He's still in that mindset, which is unfortunate. Well, you know. I think he makes this point, or maybe he doesn't, but it's, like, a lot of religions that are based on, like, at least culturally, it's, like, a lot of people have the same kind of creation story, Mm -hmm. the same kind of concept of deities. So, in all honesty, I think he's being a little short-sighted. It's, like, it's not super surprising. Like, this one just may happen to be the correct one. In, but the other ones took pieces of it and put right. it into theirs. So, and he gets into a little bit of a philosophical discussion with these guys, where they're like, well, he they can tell something's bothering him, and he's like, no, it's not really important. And like, no, come on, tell us, man. Let's let's talk. Let's let's chat. And he kind of explains to them what he's looking for, and they're like, that's that's not how religion works, man. Like, you're you're trying to find a religion that doesn't require its believers to have any faith. Which is kind of the whole point. Like even us, we follow the father in the first contract, but we don't have faith in him. Our faith is in preservation and that he had a plan and that his desire to protect will prove more powerful than Ruin's desire to destroy. Yeah. And so he's like, That's it's not not logical. And the dude's like, Faith is not about logic. And it's interesting because like there's some stuff in the annotations because Brandon is a devout religious person. And he writes some interesting religious stuff in this book, especially where Sazed is going through kind of this crisis. And in the annotations, he says several things about it, but just towards the end, he's like, look, he basically says what Joe says. He's like, yeah, your quote unquote true religion shares a lot in common with other religions. That's just how this stuff works. You have to accept like that faith is necessary. It says if he doesn't, then that's all right too. But no man is an idiot for questioning these things. And uh, no, I think uh, in order to be a healthy person in general, even if you are, even if you are a believer and have some kind of faith, I think in order to be a healthy believer or a healthy person, you have to question it. Because otherwise, if you're just being that naive and following something blindly, and you have no questions or you don't try to bring any logical thought into what it is that you're doing, then that's extremely problematic and short-sighted yeah so and they also try to explain it's like he's like explain to me about the the prison and ruin and stuff and they're like okay you have to understand gods don't have bodies like men have bodies they're forces powers and so preservation's mind 
was gone, but his power was still there. In the liquid in the pool, yeah. But also, like, they, there was that black smoke that I don't even remember if you guys remember that. They, they walked through, like, a cave full of black smoke to get to the well. And they explained that was part yeah. of Ruin's power. And so he's like, but there's way more smoke than there was liquid in the Well of Ascension. Like, was Ruin that much more powerful? And they're like, no, dude, they're they're equally powerful, or they were, maybe not anymore. But also that pool wasn't all of Preservation's power. He's everywhere. Let's see. It, it's kind of touched on the same stuff that we've had in the epigraphs already, about how, like, each of these powers has these three different aspects to the power, but... It's 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 not it's a little bit confusing. I feel like. I mean, least. it makes. I think I think it makes sense in the idea that like, so they're both creators of of the world as as Gadriel. Their power was used to to create these things, so their power resides in these things on the planet, in the planet. I'm sure that's how Ruin manipulates volcanoes and things like mm. that. It's just like you know. It all resides within the planet itself, as well as in people and and creatures. So, yeah, no, that that's a good point. That that does make sense. And I'll, and they're like, uh, so ruins his power tended to coalesce near where his mind was, because his mind was trapped in the well, right? So, and then one of them laughs and is like, but not all of it. And so he's like, wait, what do you mean? Was it also spread across the world? And they're like, yeah, you know, kinda. And so uh, they're like, hey, everyone, all the Lord Ruler's children had a purpose. The Cole lost to fight. The Inquisitors were priests. We were supposed to do something else. The father knew Ruin would escape, and he would begin searching for his body. And they kind of hint. They're like, oh, you, you, know, you know, look over there. And he goes over to the, the, the trust, which we heard about earlier. It's a big platform over a hole in the middle of the room. Because uh, that's where Tenzun like stood to give his speech or whatever, and uh, he opens it up, and there's a big hole in the floor, and it is full of adium. And really, I think I I think it may have been Joe who made the prediction last time, or maybe Joe and Dak who were both like, "Hey, maybe the they took a bunch of the adium from the pits of Hathsin, which is kind of what happened." Yeah, I found this whole this whole scheme really interesting. How it was like nobody was getting the adium the way the Lord ruler was not getting the adium the way anybody thought he was getting it. Right. And, and it also made me wonder, did the obligators know that, that, that they were transporting the adium? And if they did, were they specifically told to keep that from the inquisitors? And then this brought me to further questions. Like back in the first book, like near the end, the Lord Ruler had broken down and was like, fine, fine, Inquisitors, you can you can control like the religion as well or whatever. So was that duty going to be passed to the Inquisitors? Because then I think oh, maybe. Ruin would have definitely been able to to kind of bend that to his will. And that made me think, well, maybe Ruin had a bunch of iron, irons in the fire. Maybe like mm. Vin Kelsier Rebellion wasn't the only thing that he had going in the plans to bring him bring him back into power to destroy the world. Yeah, that's a good point, because we know that the Lord Ruler said Carr had been, like, lobbying to take over, for the Inquisitors to take over for a long time, so maybe Ruin was, like, subtly influencing them to undermine stuff also. Mm. But, actually, talking about the first book, there is another interesting connection here, because what we find out in this section is that, like, the Adium, most of it never left the pits. 
the the obligators broke open the geodes in like a room lined with metal and then like sent most of it to the chondra and what did come was smuggled in these shipments among coins uh shipments of like acolytes that went to luthadel if you remember all the way back in the first book at the beginning of the first book vin and Cammon are part of a scam to set up the a company that's going to be in charge of shipping these acolytes to Luthadel. And the other crew leader, Theron, was running the scam. And the whole idea was they're going to bring all these acolytes and shipments of money into Luthadel, but they can then, like, like the, the, the guards can turn on and, like, kill their charges and steal all the money and it'll look like bandits. But they'll be able to, like, take all this money without the Lord Ruler catching them because they'll be the guards themselves. And Brandon points out in the annotations here, if it's like Cammon double crosses him before he gets payoff, so it never actually works. But if it had worked, then when they stole the first shipment of coins, they would have found the Adium in there and exposed the whole system that the Lord Ruler was hiding this Adium transport and Ruin probably would have found the Adium sooner and it would have led to the end of the world. And so he says, good thing yeah. that they didn't pull that off, huh? Yeah. I almost wonder if maybe they were watching these people that were coming with this proposal more carefully because the obligators knew. It's like, well, that's that's the adium. It's not just the acolytes. Yeah, one would think, right, that you would pay a little more attention if you're the guy at the top who knows that secret. But I mean, <clears throat> that all still hinges on, and the same with the the Inquisitors, though. That that hinges on Ruin getting out of the well, and like the power has to was it the power has to return to the well, and then someone has to uh, take it and give it up. If Rushek was still in power um, as a result of all that, then he's like, well, I'm not doing that. Yeah, so right. Ruin would have still had to wait another like thousand years um, for another opportunity. So his most his most important plot worked out is 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 the the, yeah. the gist of it. He managed <laughs> to get the ruler killed at just the right time. I like Sazed is just dumbstruck like. This is where the Adium's been all this time. Everyone has been looking for this shit. Like, the entire world has been looking for this, and it's right here. Not only is it right here, it's, like, not even really guarded, because none of these Conjurer will kill a human. So you could stroll right in and start taking it. I don't know what they would do. They'd yeah. probably try to do something, but... Yeah, not only that, but it's, like, Kelsier destroying the pits basically made it look like, well, it's definitely there's definitely a non-Adium left at the pits of Hathson. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but uh, that's where it all was. And then Sage keeps saying, he's like, you guys work for Adium. Conjure contracts were always paid in Adium. And they're like, yeah, you know, uh, what did make it out, we tried to c gather back to ourselves or got used up by Mistborns. So, and that was really a big hint all the way back in the first book because the first thing we ever knew about Conjure was that Kelsier spent all the Adium that, like, Doxon stole for him buying this contract. Mm. So we knew that they took Adium. We didn't know what they ever did with it. Apparently they never mm -hmm. did anything. They stuck in a big hole. But there was there was your big hint about where the Adium was the whole time. Right. Also, I find it interesting. I guess the thing that I got frustrated with here is, like, they still don't explain, like, okay, I get it. Like, the Adium is what Rune wants. It's his body, whatever. How does it grow back? I still don't understand. I still mm -hmm. understand how it grows back. Yep. Um, but anyway, that is a question, isn't it? They do talk about how that is kind of a weird, like say says like yeah, it's like weird. Like every other metal can just be mined 
normally, but this one only grows in a weird way in this one very specific place. What's up with that? Yeah, and I mean, he's like, it, it lets one see in the future. It's not really a thing of men. It's a thing of gods. It's more than metal. It's condensed, it's condensed concentrated power. Which may be the most explanation we ever get. I'm not sure. Uh, I don't. I don't actually remember if they go into more detail about what, why, and how it grows back. But it's just, it's it's condensed power. That's why it grows the way it does because it's not metal, or not exactly. It's not like other metal. And actually, that's also a bit of a hint about uh, something else that. And we won't go into much detail about it now. We'll get into detail on at some other time, but. Adium doesn't exactly, and he's hinted at it before in epigraphs that I've read to you, it doesn't fit in the table of allomancy like other metals do. And this is why, because it's not really a metal like other metals. And it's not really, it's not actually part of the normal allomancy table. Well, I mean, that would make sense since regular metal seems to be something that blocks ruin in some way. And uh, this metal is a part of him, so yeah, you would think that he would uh, see that differently than metal that like he couldn't see if it was actually part of you, right? And then we cut to Ten Soon real quick, which is maybe the only Ten Soon bit we get, where he gets to the crest of a hill in his horse body, and he's glad he he's using horse body because he's like the ash is so deep that a wolfhound couldn't have made it through. And when he gets up there, he looks down, and the entire landscape in front of him is on fire. There's been a volcanic eruption, this huge like plain where there used to be cities and forests and all this stuff. It's just lava and death. And there's a giant crack in the earth with more lava coming out of it. Looks like somebody may not be able to go to Fedrix at all. Maybe they'll have to go to Luthadel. Well, he, he thinks. He's like, I could detour south. And continue to Fadrex as if I had come from Luthadel, basically. But for some reason, he found it hard to get up the motivation. It was too late. Which, that's sad. Poor Tensoon. He's not having a great book. He's always the guy who can't be in the right place at the right time. Getting everywhere too late. Yeah. Well, in fairness, one of those cases, he went in completely the wrong direction, so. Yeah, that didn't help. Well, and it didn't help that he sat, like, doing nothing for the first, like, third of the book, waiting. Well, he didn't have any say in that, though. Well, he, I guess he had say insofar as he returned to the homeland knowing pretty well what was going to happen. And he did it on intention. Oh, yeah. Yeah, true. But he felt that's what, that was his duty. That was what he needed to do. But anyway. Okay, last epigraph here. Yes, there are 16 medals. And I find it highly unlikely that the Lord Ruler did not know all of them. I, I must assume he did not tell mankind for a reason. Maybe he held it back, like he held back the nugget of preservation's body that made men into Mistborn. Or maybe he just thought that mankind was powerful enough with the metals that they knew. They don't need more power than that, just like they didn't need guns and stuff. It's like, nah, it's, that's enough. But it's like, how many people during this thousand years snapped, lived, and died never realizing they were Mistings because their metal was not known? But the flip side of that, as this points out, is that it was hard for Ruin to give the Inquisitors Duralumen because Duralumen Mistings had no idea what they could do. Not that their power would be super useful, but they didn't use it, so Ruin couldn't find them. So most Inquisitors don't get Duralumen, except for a few in cases, like Marsh, where they managed to get a Mistborn and they killed a Mistborn to get the Duralumen power. This was usually considered a waste, for if you killed a Mistborn with Hemalurgy, you could only draw one of the 16 powers. Ruin preferred to try to subvert them. You can see so he is I, what he did to Zane, 
and what he tries yeah. to do to Vin, basically. Yeah. So I have I have a question here, going back to earlier in this giant fucking epigraph. So it mentions that you know the the thing that makes men into misborn is the nugget of preservation's body. And from the last chapter, they say that oh, Ruin's body is the atium or mm-hmm. some such. Okay, sure. But what about the epigraph that talked about the body that dropped into the ash yep. when preservation died? The human body. It's like yeah. so they have two bodies? Is that where this the whole Cantor true body thing came from? Or huh. I didn't think about that. That's funny. I don't know. It's just it seems like all right, so what what's their body? The human thing or the metal thing? This is an excellent question. Maybe both. Hmm. Yeah, just it, we need it, more information. You didn't see the human body until he died, so I don't know. That's it's yeah, I don't know. This is a good question at this point. Maybe we I will just, learn more. It's like, does the metal body have to be entirely expended before the human body shows up? Is like Vin just gonna have to quaff all that adium and just burn it all? <laughs> just it's like, oh Jesus, there's like years worth of this shit here. Dude, it would be hard to swallow all of that. That's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's like walking around with ball bearings in your stomach. Ugh. Well, they did say know. preservation gave up more of himself. True. So, you know, you think about how many people had consumed whatever his little beads of alamancy were. Maybe, yeah. I don't know, maybe he doesn't grow back. Maybe his does grow back. Maybe there's room to have a whole bunch more misborn somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I feel I feel like that's the obvious question is we know that adium grows back. Does Lorassium grow back somewhere? Because mm. that would be a big freaking deal, as you indicated. Wait a minute. Didn't we see – didn't we see – did we say there was an X on – or there was a thing in the cache in Fadrex? Was that pointing to the pits or was it pointing somewhere else? Uh, I guess I could tell you now. Yes, it 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 it, it was pointing to the pit. The the big, super yes. complex puzzle that Vin couldn't figure out was pointing at the pits of Athsin. Okay, because I was wondering if there's another place on the planet, another pits or mm. mine, the pits of Bob, where yeah. you can get the Lorassian. You'd think <laughs> you would think though that if the Lord Ruler knew about that, he would also hand out that power. Oh, absolutely. Maybe yeah. not. Yeah. Well, and the one and, and the bead that she did find was like in like embedded in a piece of clay, like pottery fragment or something. So it's just like you got to figure it probably doesn't grow in pottery. So somebody took it and put it in some. I don't know. It's it's weird. Yeah, it was maybe it was like a ceremonial thing. Mm. Like when he was divvying out the power, he's like, here is this eat of this pottery and you shall become. <laughs> If you break the holy vase, you shall gain the powers of a god. Yes. Please eat of my pottery. <laughs> I warmed it in a kiln for hours. <laughs> I like that. That like in, in between bribing the kings of the world, or in between like getting the magical power at the Well of Ascension and bribing the kings of the world, he's like sitting somewhere like with a, a, a pottery wheel and like shaping it. It's like. That's that's what he's doing when Vin busts in on his like hidden retreat chamber in Credit Shore in the first book. He's just sitting at a pottery wheel, just going, uh, "Do you mind? I'm working yeah. on something here." He's like, he's got clay all over his fingers. He's like, "I, I look, I, I, I shake your hand, but I'm busy." <laughs> Don't you ever knock? Whoopi Goldberg was here and Patrick Swayze. Yeah, the whole well, that they're one and the same. Uh, anyway, 
for the final chapter, we cut back to Vin, and it is raining as she arrives in Luthadel, and she can feel Alamancers, Mistborn, coming for her, at least a dozen of them. And she just looks out of Luthadel, and she thinks that it's dying. Despite the rain, parts of it are on fire. Parts of it have already burned down or been destroyed in other ways. Torn apart, buildings broken or burned, streets eerily vacant. Hundreds of thousands of people used to live here, and now there doesn't seem to be anybody left. And we know, I I think Spook or Sazed or Bree, somebody mentions that, like, they've had refugees coming in from as far away as Luthadel. So people from Luthadel have run a long way to get away from whatever was going on here. I like to note that she's still wearing her original mist cloak that Kelsier gave her back in the day. And she decides to have her final showdown at the Lord Ruler's palace, Critic Shaw. And then Ruin's there. He's like, really, this is this is where you led me. We've already looked here. And Vin's like, oh, you shouldn't have shown yourself to me. I'm never going to like get the Adium now that I know you're here. And he's like, yeah, I don't believe that you have it anymore. I believed you for a minute, but now that I see where you led me, yeah, I'm, I'm not buying it. And she says, yeah, but you can't know that for certain. And he says, no. And she's like, well, then you're going to have to try to make me talk. And he, he's kind of offended, but he's like, try? You have no idea what I'm about to do to you. This guy's a lot of talk, let me tell you. <laughs> well, he can't really do anything, like, in person, since he's a figment of her imagination, basically. Oh, look at poor bodiless Ruin throwing around all these <laughs> threats. Oh, oh, no, he doesn't have a body. I am the what's, end, he says. What's he gonna do, bother me to death? <laughs> yeah. Annoy me to death. Look like my, my, my dead brother until I just get so annoyed that I, I end it all. Yeah. And here's here's the moment where Vin's like, you'll you'll never have it, not while I live. And then Ruin screams and vanishes and lightning flares and illuminates robed figures closing in from all around her. Like that this is a badass moment. Like, come on, that yeah. that is cinematic as fuck. That is Which again I have to bring it up. This really reminded me of Dark City. So listeners, if you haven't watched that, go do. It's a great movie. I still have it on my list from the last time you talked about it. I've just never uh, gotten to it. Yeah. So Marsh shows up shirtless because why not? And he has, she she says normal inquisitors had nine spikes. The one that she and Elm killed had 10. Marsh has upward of 20. Which in fantasy is probably hard to get a shirt over all of those. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, it's like any of my friends that would drink, growing up it's like oh well i've had one beer two must be better oh two makes me feel pretty good three must be better it's like oh before i know it i've had a 12 pack oh look i've got 20 spikes in my body (laughs) (laughs) and i'm not exactly sure and i'll have to read this chapter and the next couple chapters again to be certain i think there may be a total of 14 inquisitors i think when it says 13 that's like not counting marsh yeah marsh was just standing there for a lot of it just watching so yeah, she's, she's taking the 14 on medals. 14 inquisitors. <laughs> she pushes herself into the sky, and 13 of the dudes follow her. And this part feels kind of Dragon Ball Z to me because it's like she flies in the sky and she's like ducking axes swinging at her from like various directions. And sure, you know, yeah. you just hear the the old school music from the 90s from the ocean dope kick in. It's like. <laughs> And then she gives like a Duralumin push and pushes against the Inquisitors all around her and they're thrown backwards by their own spikes. 
And that's like, you know, that's that's Goku powering up and just like shoving everyone away. Ah! Except she loses her power when she does that. It's true. It, it actually makes yeah. her less powerful. And I'm always surprised at how quick she is to use her Duralumin. Like she's smart. She uses it at good moments. But it's just like you realize you now have no steel left. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that that that's a bold move to pull like right off the bat. Right. And also she only had like two vials. If I knew I was about to face down a ton of inquisitors, probably would have said, Hey, before I leave, can I get like fifty vials of metal? Right. Yeah. <laughs> she's just got a bandolier of them. Exactly. Like I don't understand what she's thinking here. Maybe she's afraid they'll pull them away from her, but I don't know. Well, she wants to be in more trouble faster, so the mist will help her. So really, yes. there's no point in bringing more metal. Yeah, she didn't want to win. At least even not though, until uh, this helps. Even though you know that's a completely wrong theory. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but she 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 rips an ice spike from one inquisitor, and that's how she learns that one is not enough to kill them. You have to one ice spike, they can survive. Gonna be that linkage spike in the spine. Yeah. And that's what Marsh said at the beginning. He's like, you got to separate the top two from the bottom, from the rest of them. So you can take out the linker in the middle or you can cut off the head, which does the same. It also begs the question. I think Marsh said he tried to pull out, he was hoping to pull out his own linkage spikes. So it doesn't matter, like, because he's got like 20 of the bloody things all over the shop. It's like, okay, but that that one spike is still the one that matters. So it's like, okay, cool. That's good to know. Yeah, I guess so. Well, and, cause we, and we know at the beginning, like, the one guy who had 10 of them was... We now find out that he has 10. I don't remember if we knew that back then. But he was wearing, like, a, a metal armor thing around his chest to stop you from grabbing that one bit. Yeah. So knew it was still important to that man, that guy, at least. But Marsh, we just found out, has more than any Inquisitor we've ever seen, basically. So he's a very powerful Inquisitor, is uh, is Marsh. So we won't go beat by beat with the, with the fight, because there's a lot to it. But it's just, it's a great fight. I agree with you guys. This is one of the best ones that we've seen. Yeah, the only fight that's more memorable to me was uh, Kelsier with the Candelabra thing. Uh, oh, yeah. That's yeah, probably that... the most memorable fight to me still, but this one's good. I think Kelsier's fight at the end of the first book where he kills the Inquisitor, that one yeah, is... Yeah, I was going to say that one. That sticks out to me. Well, and there's, yeah, of course, Vin, like, headbutting a guy to explode his head. That, that, <laughs> yeah. That was... I I think I, I just, like, for whatever reason, I remember the fights where they're, like, fighting a group of people better. Sure. No, I get that. That's actually that's another one that sticks out to me is one of the very first fights we see is when Kelsier is like robbing Keep Venture of their Adium and he has like a little he, he gets like a little paperweight off the desk and uses it to kill like all the the case uh, killers. Oh, that's that's what I yeah. that's what I was talking about. I thought it was like a candelabra thing. No, like he, he he does a candelabra thing later when he's breaking into Lord Ruler's palace. Oh, okay. Well, then both of those things stick out to me. Hmm. And she realizes as she's fighting that these guys, like she's already noticed with Marsh, have some ferrochemical powers as well, which that explains the extra spikes. Strength and speed, and this is bad. Uh, she's a Mistborn. She can match Alimantic powers. She has nothing on ferrochemy. They can move yeah. really fast, and she can't do jack. So, um, and this is the part where I'm wondering how it works, right? Because with regular ferrochemists, they have bracers that they store stuff in. Are they just storing stuff in their spikes mm. or do they not have to store it at all they can just tap it but does that mean they have an unlimited tap and it's just not as strong as what a ferrochemist could do yeah do they have to do the whole if they want to build up speed go super slow for a while or is it just in the spike this is a good question also can the yeah. spike be drained 
I think she thinks here when she notices ferrochemical power, she's like, okay, but fer- metal mines run out. So I just, I can push this. Yeah. So maybe they can store stuff in the spike and then drop back out. Or maybe, yeah, that would really, I mean, it'd be good for us. It would suck for the Inquisitors if, like, they just drain their spike and that's gone. Yeah, that that, that would suck for them. Like, uh, you killed a whole ferrochemist for that? Jeez. <laughs> they just start yelling to Rue and just like, oh, need a recharge, recharge. <laughs> I, I like the part where it's like, Kelsey or struggled to fight one. What was she doing fighting a 13? Now, yeah, that's a good question, Vin. Maybe you should have asked that before you showed up here. So it had the music the like like the actual fight bit the music from the matrix revolutions like the final battle at the end between neo and agent smith mm, I that was pretty that. cool music cool wasn't also, it raining in that one too yeah it was also a battle in the rain where they're flying yeah. around at each other totally fits except all the other like in, in this case it's one inquisitor who's standing there watching and all the rest fighting whereas in that it was one smith fighting and all the rest just standing around watching that's true too well and not only that, but we have Ruin showing up randomly to, like, talk shit. You can't <laughs> fight, Ben. Each blow only helps me. I am Ruin. Okay, shut up. <laughs> Seriously. Talking a lot of shit for a guy who's not accomplishing anything. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, Marsh is down watching all the excitement. And then, uh, oh, here comes the part where she, she they're fo- she's falling through the air with an Inquisitor, and she kind of nudges she's like he never notices when she nudges them slightly in the air so that uh he's like grabbing her throat right when uh, they hit one of the spikes and it goes right through his chest and it says that uh she didn't look as it ripped through his body but she was holding on to the head all the way down and so she ends up like on the ground with the dude's head as you do as you yeah. do right you gross but, that is uh, that is her one moment in this fight, in this chapter, that she, uh, she kind of gets ahead because most of the rest is her running and getting beat on. She even her like she pulls out her blades and they get broken almost immediately. And then she finally runs out of metal from using the Duralumin, really, because she uses it with steel and pewter to push stuff, throw Inquisitors around. And finally, she's used it all up and she's injured and she's laying there in the rain and Marsh comes up. And starts, like, like torturing her. Ruin's like, okay, this is the time. And Marsh is reaching out and breaking bones and shit. Oh, this part was awful. Yeah. yeah. And she's sitting here. She's like, okay, Sazed isn't coming this time. Kelsier's not coming this time. The mists are not doing what she wants. This is it. We're, we, this is the end. And that's when we cut to Marsh's perspective, which is still horrible because he's in that Ruin mindset where he's like, oh, if only Ruin wasn't holding me back, I could murder her. And there's just that one little piece of him that keeps saying no throughout his whole like section here. We do get one interesting piece of information from his uh, section, though, because it says that from the ground trembling, he knew that we were near the end. The final day had arrived. The world would not survive the night. Yeah. Ooh. And there's still that part of him that's saying no. And then it's like Kelsier treated her like a daughter, the daughter he never had with Mare. I've given up just like with the rebellion and we get the whole thing about it's like he gave up on the rebellion right before it actually succeeded, which he's kicked himself for ever since, which yeah, I can see why you would. It's like you spent your whole life working on the rebellion and then you're like, ah, oh, fine, I quit. And then your brother shows up a year later and actually succeeds at what you've been working for your whole life. That would make you feel kind of crappy, especially because he was the slacker brother, right? 
and we he he thinks about uh, the scene in the first book where Vin tells him where the earring came from, something. And Brandon mentions in the annotations, he's like, I knew that I had to fit that scene in all the way back in this first book because it was going to be important when we got here. And it was actually kind of tricky to find the right time for Vin and Marsh because they almost never met in that book. There was like this one time. Mm. Uh, he also says that this is like uh, his favorite fight in this book. The previous ones are all too warlike. I prefer the beauty of a couple of Mistborn fighting in the rain and mist. This fight between Vin and the Inquisitors is the kind of fight I developed Alamancy for in the first place. And he says here, I was going to read this a little bit because it kind of tells us a little bit of the background, even though we already kind of know more or less what happened. You can probably see it now. Vin's mother, who was schizophrenic, was corrupted by Ruin, who spoke in her mind, got her to love her first daughter, but hate her second. To see the second as a repulsive monster. In her insanity, she killed the second daughter by cutting open her chest and ramming a pin through her heart. And then she stuck the same pin into Vin's ear, turning it into an earring. Reen, the older brother, who was not even a teenager at that point, stumbled in upon this scene and it nearly snapped his mind. He took Vin and ran that night. Vin's mother was tracked down by the Inquisitors a short time after. Fortunately for, for Vin, her father had realized he was in trouble and ordered his lover to be executed. His assassins got to her just before the Inquisitors, so all they found was a corpse, which is why they were never sure whether Vin had survived or not, or whether she even existed, I guess. So yeah, that's a cheery uh, bit of background. But yeah, but just like with the Coloss, when the when Inquisitor Marsh is lost in the thrill of like hurting people, he's slightly more in control, and so he manages to rip the earring out of Vin's ear. And then we cut back to Vin, and she starts – like, Ruin had been talking, making demands about the Adium, and now – and suddenly he was gone. And I, I think she still does not make the connection here that it was when her earring came out that all of a sudden he disappeared, but whatever. She doesn't need to know necessarily, I guess, unless she's going to pick up the earring and put it back on, which would be unfortunate. Well, she doesn't really have time to do that. Not yet. It also, yeah, it also seems just like, all right, Marsh has had his rebellion. He's done that, given her back, like, uh, access to the mist, but then Ruin's back in control. So it's like, oh, God, is anyone going to know Marsh actually just did them a solid? Right. Nobody may ever know what Marsh did, how hard it was for him. Yeah. But as she starts to draw on the mist, she's like, wait, this feels familiar. And it says a voice whispers in her head from the Well of Ascension, of course. It's the same power. Liquid in the metal you fed to Ellen, um, solid in the metal you fed to Ellen, liquid in the pool you burned, and vapor in the air, confined to the night, hiding you, protecting you, giving you power. So the mist, when they talked about how preservation's power was spread across the world, they were being literal because the mist is part of preservation power and it's all over. Which, if we hadn't made the connection already from the fact that the mists were snapping people, that that was preservation doing it, and the fact that preservation was the mist spirit and was like made of mist – I guess this is where it's like, oh, yes, by the way, this is preservation. And I guess Ruin is uh, pissed off enough that he can't question her anymore, that he's just going to end it. Because Marsh swings his axe for her head, and she catches his arm, and that is the end of the chapter. Ah, so dramatic. I love it. Yep. Okay, so first, while I'm thinking about it, for next time, six chapters again. 73, 74, 75, 76, 77, 78. That will leave us four chapters and an epilogue from the end of the book. We are very, very close. So for anyone following along, that's what we're doing then. 
Uh, and in the meantime, let us move into predicaments. We have very little left to predict about this book, except for how is it going to end? What is going to happen? Uh, so what do you guys have for predictions? I still maintain we we sort of haven't spoken about it in a few episodes, but I still think Sazed is the hero of ages. So Tensoon has prophecy last time that the hero of ages would lead an army of alamancers and whatnot to the homeland mm-hmm. uh, and do the, and do the body. I think because Sazed is there, Tensoon and Vin will catch up. Tensoon mentions Sazed is there. That's where the body is, and so like they're all gonna follow. But Sazed got there first, so he led them there in that sort of uh, sense. Yeah. No, I, I see. I see what yeah. you mean. Yeah. So yeah, just. Look, I like the email that we got saying it could be 10 soon. I was like, he could still fit. But yeah, like the way the epigraphs are written, it's very sazed. And I, I still just remember like the the first one opened with, I am unfortunately the hero of ages. And then mm-hmm. sazed at one point said, I am unfortunately the ambassador or something like that. I'm just like, it, it is sazed. It's got to be sazed, damn it. I am unfortunately in charge is what he says. Yeah, that's the one. No, I see it. Yeah, I see. I see exactly what you mean. It, uh, it fits in a lot of ways. Yep. And so, yeah, he's the one who is, he's the human who has discovered where Ruin's body is and whatnot. So he's the one who's going to do whatever it takes to end it. Like, so he just, so he's the announcer, but he just announced himself. Oh, he's both. He's the announcer and the, that, that, that's hilarious. Yeah. I didn't even think about that, that if he was the one, then he's also, that's funny. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's just, so like Master's chapter with Garadel mentioned things about tools and their use. And so I think. So, uh, yeah, so I think Sazed is a tool of preservation, but everyone else is, like, sort of his tools, getting him into the place where he needed to be. Mm. So, yeah. So, any ideas on if Sazed is the hero, we, we still don't know. We know where Ruin's body is now. We still have no idea how to beat him, or, like, what what, what can we do? How's it going to end? <laughs> well, you can eat Addy and Hot Dog Contest. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Burn it all. Burn the house down. Burn them all. Okay, sure. Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm not sure. I don't think the world is going to end. Like we've joked about how it's just like saved on a rock, like flying off into the cosmos. But no, the, they'll find they'll find some way to end the world. Whether, uh, what was I going with that? Yeah, who survives? I don't know. Like I'm I'm still wondering. It's like oh maybe maybe Vin will die at the end of this book, and she'll just be like that, that was the heir of the survivor. She's like she. She survived everything and passed away once her task was completed. And then, so say, spreads the rumor that she was the hero, but he himself lives with the secret that he was or something. I don't know. Oh, secret hero. Yeah. Okay. I kind of like that, actually. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Uh, Yeah. So, I mean, Tensoon's going to show up, help Vin out. Vin's going to have, like, these crazy powers. It's going to be too much for her body. Her body's going to, like, freak out. They're going to cut off Marsh's head. There's going to be like this whole speech about how evil will prevail because ruin is ruin. And then right in the middle of that speech is when Tenzin is going to show up. And like, he'll be like, you have no one to help you. Nothing like all your tricks and all your power amounts to nothing. I'm stronger than preservation. And then Tenzin shows up, bites him in the neck. Be pretty sweet. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Yeah. Also, and also he's, he's still a horse a, now, so yeah, a horse biting say, he's gonna be. He's still a horse, so <laughs> it's would be like big horse teeth biting him. <laughs> and be like, what the hell? And then uh, Ellen will show up. 
with all the mistings and they'll overpower all the inquisitors and then they'll be like we got to go to to the friggin pits let's go and then they go back to the pits and and then um ruin like tries to get his body but then but then like vin or like no sorry sazed since he's the hero they like they're like hey we saved this here we saved this piece of preservation metal for you oh hero of ages eat it and then say he's gonna have allomancy powers and then like he's gonna eat all the adium at one time and then like ferrochemical it inside of him to store all the future seeing and then and then he can see every move before it's made and then with his superpowers he'll be unstoppable adium adium stores age ferrochemically by the way oh so he'll stay young forever and yeah, like live forever, just like the Lord Ruler did. And then, but then he'll also, because he has Alamance, he can see the future. Yeah, okay. I can see the future. I can see the future. <laughs> I, I sort yeah. of pictured as like, uh, instead instead of biting the guy, he's just like eating the, a goat skull on the way over. So he's grown a horn instead. Uh, so he's like this big, big unicorn just charges through and spears him. It's like, I'm a unicorn now, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> that would be unexpected. Yep. Right. And then like. Today. Yeah, and Vin's like, oh, I've never seen what you are. How'd you know it's called a unicorn? He's like, uh, I knew it all along. I saw one in a book once when I was a kid, uh, when I was just a baby blob. And I was like, Dragon someday. Pages was hard. Yeah, it was. And I said, someday, I'm going to be that. <laughs> and then my friend told me that they didn't exist. They weren't real. And um, I said, you're wrong. I'll prove it to you someday and then it turns out his friend died before he ever got to show him his blob his unicorn oh my thing and um yeah these are good predictions uh i think this <laughs> this stuff's all gonna happen no there there's our next t-shirt is tenson the unicorn and yeah i'm yeah. a unicorn bitch or whatever he says yeah. and on the back it'll say like i told you i could do it <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh okay okay that's that that was the thing jamie what do you yeah have? well wait that's the misborn world i want to live in just put that on oh, front street that, that's fair <laughs> oh i don't have anything near as adventurous as that <laughs> um wow <laughs> i uh, i i still i still still think it's gonna all end we're probably still going to lose most people they're running out of time if ruin has kind of been like yep tonight's the night like this is when it all ends i just don't think we have enough time to get all of our characters back together in one space and pull off some sort of victory and save everybody before this total destruction they may uh, they may manage to defeat ruin possibly but i think it's still going to be too late anything that they do now is yeah it's probably going to be a little bit useless i don't know where all these new mistings will go they might know how to burn the metals but they're not going to know how to do anything Mm -hmm. like properly with it i mean there's one hell of a way to learn i guess but especially because they don't even know which misting they are either so that will be sort of interesting to see. I think it's likely that Tensoon will end up in Luthadel, even though he's kind of just given up hope. It's all too late 
anyway. I don't I don't feel like he's just going to sit there and go, well, I'm just going to watch it burn now. He's He's been sort of putting too much in motion. I think we've still got a bit more of Sazed in the first generation to see together, but I, I don't know that Sazed will, will come out of that cavern before the end of the book. I think he's probably in there and protected in that area. And, I mean, particularly if they've got all this adium down there and it's there's metal and Ruin can't see it, you know, that's they're probably not even looking at that sort of area anyway. Yeah. Uh, I think Vin probably will survive the Inquisitor fight now that she's got the, the mist on her side. But, yeah, I, I just I, I don't think there's enough time for everyone to meet up. And then you factor in, like, Sazed and Breeze and um, our friends over in Nurtau. I Like... What are they going to do? Are they just going to stay there? I hope we see them again before the end of the book, but I just, I, I'm not sure that they're going to leave that area. I, I have no idea where the final part of this book is going to take place, where we're kind of in all of the hot zones at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't quite figure that out yet, but we'll see what comes next week. Maybe we will have unicorns and we'll have answers. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to count on it. See, I think it's, it's yeah, I think it's really exciting to be this close to the end, and we're still like can't say where it's gonna go. It's like you know that a lot of stuff is still coming because that's the way these books work. So it's just like there is fourteen percent of this book left. We're at eighty six percent, and it's like I don't know where this is gonna go. I hope that everything wraps up nicely. I assume that the end of the trilogy is gonna have a decent ending, but you still can't see the shape of it quite yet. It's I, I think it's very exciting. I got 50 bucks saying Breeze is going to make some crappy one-liner about how they ruined Ruin. (laughs) (laughs) Bad puns. But I I do really like that it's not completely predictable. There's nothing worse than coming into a story and you go, yeah, I know how this is going to go. I know how this is going to go. I can see the end coming a mile away. It's We're we're so close. And, I mean, we've got 14% of this book left, but in terms of a trilogy and wrapping up these three stories, we're very close and still, it could be anyone's game at this point. Yeah, we will see. We're going to read most of what's left uh, for the next episode, I guess. We're pretty close to most uh, uh, most of the chapters that are left. Text-wise, I think the, the last two episodes are about equivalent in text size. So, yes, very exciting. We have one new review we're going to do, and we have seven emails, I think, we're pushing two hours at this point. I will probably uh, read like half of them and we'll save some for next time. But let's hit the review first. Uh, we have a review from Bonancy21 from Portugal, which says, Great podcast. Absolute joy to listen to. Looking forward to seeing future series being covered. Very short and to the point there. Thanks. Five short stars. to the us. point. Yeah. Five stars. Well, welcome to the Misting Crew. You... My short and sweet friend, are a thug. Nice. There's a second review out there, but they've asked us to wait on it, so I'm going to wait to read it until the appropriate time. Uh, so let us emails. We have one email from the Sad Panda, which says, "Hello, I started <laughs> listening to your podcast a few months ago and just recently caught up to you guys. I read the Cosmere for the first time last year and convinced my girlfriend, but she stopped after Mistborn Era One, got one chapter into Atlantis, and hasn't gone any further." I was excited to share it with her, but saddened when she put down the book and never picked it back up again. She left me with a void to fill, and I was glad to listen along with you guys instead. Now that I'm caught up, I have a reason to pull my nice leather bounds down and read alongside you guys 
and I'd like to hear your thoughts and opinions on it. Keep up the great work, and I can't wait to hear what you think of the ending. Thank you all for such a great show, The Sad Panda. Thank you, Panda. Um, Are you sad because your girlfriend uh, yeah, that's, won't, that's gotta won't be do why. Sanders? Yeah, since she won't yeah, do uh, Brandon Sanderson with you? I was hoping they would like, cap the ending off there with uh, a now happy panda, but no. <laughs> Our next one is, uh, I don't know how to pronounce this, I-L-M-E-V-A-V-I, Ilmevavi. Uh, it says, hello from Finland. I love your podcast. You are all great. I'm still at the wall of ascension when I'm writing this. When you do start Mistborn Era 2, I would 100% recommend listening to the books in audiobook format. Michael Kramer is a god of a reader. And there's one character, especially that him reading it is the best thing I've ever listened to. It would be a shame for anyone to miss that. Uh, so I, I, I don't know that we've ever talked about whether any of you guys prefer audiobook. I am personally, I can't do audiobooks. I cannot concentrate unless I've got words in front of me. So I've never been a big audiobook person. Uh, but I have heard repeatedly that the people who do Brandon's audiobooks are really good. I don't think I've ever tried audiobook format for anything. Oh, really? Interesting. No, I've, I've never listened to an audiobook. I can only do it for something that I have read many times. Like mm. I will, I will listen to the Harry Potter audiobooks because Jim Dale is like amazing. But I cannot do it if I've never consumed the material before. It cannot be audio the first time. That's not going to work for me. Hmm. I've got the audiobooks for the Dresden Files because uh, what's his name? Spike from Buffy, James Marsters. Marsters. Yeah, he yeah. he reads those and he's actually really good. Like I've listened to pieces of them, and everyone says how good he is. He is really good. I still, I just can't. If I don't have words in front of me, I cannot concentrate on the story. So, I tried with those audiobooks because I figured if anyone, I love these series. He, I like him, and listening to it, he is really good. I figured if any was going to keep my, let me do it, it would be that, and I just, I can't. But it has allowed me to loan those out to other people and get other people to listen uh, to the Dresden Files uh, who like doing audiobooks. So. It, they've done that much for me, at least. Yeah, spread the word. Yep. Uh, if you uh, if you do like audiobooks, listeners, I'm still in the middle of my read of Midnight Sun on my Poetry Calls channel on YouTube. Check it out if you're interested. We've got a couple new subscribers, I assume, from the podcast, so thank you guys for that. Um, I'm not going to be real quick with this because I want to do it right. So um, it's not going to be, you know, every week uh, a chapter going up. It's going to take a little bit longer. That's that, that's smart. Next email is from Joseph. And Joseph says, Secret History Next. Yay. Hey, everyone. I love that you're planning to do Secret History Next, partly because I was hoping for it, and partly because your reason was a really good one that I hadn't considered. I listen to several Cosmere-based podcasts. You're my favorite by far. And this is always an interesting topic. He w wants to know who would win in a fight between a Mistborn and a Pharaoh chemist. Not any specific characters, just a couple people with those powers. Wasing to the time of Next joseph i feel like and i'm gonna jump in and answer my opinion first on that one i feel like brandon has said that with plenty of stuff to draw on he feels like ferrochemist would always win in a fight between a mistborn and a ferrochemist and that tends to be my thinking also unless one is just the mistborn is like way more skilled than the other uh i think that probably a ferrochemist would do it especially speed if you have enough speed to draw on that by itself can be like the complete game changer in my opinion but that's me. Yeah, I agree. Um, especially with how Sazed, uh, now he does it off page, granted, but he bests an like the head inquisitor in the first book just by using ferrochemy. 
I, I think it's pretty clear based on the author, what the author, how the author feels and how he writes it, that yes, if you, if you had full metal minds to draw off of, Pharaoh Kimmy should win. I don't see why Al- Alamancy could, could outdo Pharaoh Kimmy. Yeah, because you don't, you're not limited to how much of it you can draw on at any one time. It's just how long you can draw on it at that level for. So whereas if I'm wrong, please let me know. But oh, yeah, if that's, that's like right. the Alamancy, you, you're using it, but you can use it up to a capacity effectively. But Ferrochemy gives you that, like you you could just get bigger or stronger or faster as much as you can use up out of your metal mines. So, yeah, I would think Ferrochemist would win as well. One more. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll do one more this time, and then I'll save the rest for later because we're really getting along. This one is from Brian, and it says, Hello, Sander Lanch crew. My name's Brian, and I am your number 17th fan from Winnipeg. It feels egotistical to call myself <laughs> your number one fan, so I'm sticking with a number I'm comfortable I won't be challenged on. Not uh, 16? No, 17. <laughs> yeah. I, I think Jamie's on to something there. <laughs> He's from the peg, huh? Man, I wish I could go to Winnipeg. The only thing I know about Winnipeg was that Simpsons meme. <laughs> uh, Here it's a nice place. He says, since lockdown started last year, I've become more and more starved for human contact, even if it's just the imitation of human contact. And I found myself drawn to those reaction videos on YouTube, which is why I think I've become so enamored with the Sander Lanch. I'm not one for podcasts, but after seeing a post by one of you, I was intrigued. While I prefer reading science fiction to fantasy, I've read too much terrible fantasy, Brandon quickly became my favorite author. So I said, what the heck? I'll give the Sander Lanch a chance. I came for the read along of the series I love, but stayed for the Futurama references. Seriously, though, <laughs> the joy in seeing people enjoy this thing I adore has been very cathartic. So thank you all incredibly much. Now that I'm finally caught up and p- after powering through all the episodes since August 10th, I have few, a few observations. Dak, you have great taste in characters, and I've become a fan of your dry wit. Thanks, man. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie, I am convinced you've made a bargain with Eldritch Powers, perhaps the Night Mother, in order to see the future. There's no other explanation for how consistently you've been spot on. Oh. Thanks. <laughs> She's like, I, I think. <laughs> yeah, he basically uh, just said you're a witch. So. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we never said that she wasn't, so no. to be fair. Joe, you're a sarcastic wise-ass after my own heart. Don't ever change. I won't. <laughs> and uh, then Data, I first started the podcast on YouTube where I could easily watch it at times two speed. But someone uploaded the first book, forcing me – only uploaded the force, first book, forcing me to download Apple Podcasts. You. You're that person. All the same. Thanks for putting this together. <laughs> yeah, I, I did. I dropped the ball on that a little bit. and kind of falling off. I do intend to go back and fix that. But yeah, I've, we yeah, no, that's that's also, the thing that I did. Love that he ran tables. You three, this is what I like about each of you. Data, you fucked up. <laughs> yeah. It's good. Oh, it's good. Oh, uh, also, that's another T-shirt idea. Come for the Sanderson, stay for the Futurama references. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. We may as well steal two people's... Uh... Yeah, intellectual property. That's fine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> this, po- this podcast is about Brandon Sanderson. Also Zoidberg. <laughs> uh, he ends with, keep up the good work all. P.S. I submitted a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Please tell Joe to hold off uh, a signing until we get to Miss Porn Era 2 because of reasons. Oh, uh, no. I've, uh, you know, you, you think you're going to get what you want, sir. But, uh, <laughs> but you know what? I, I've, already got, I've already got it picked out. So, too bad. <laughs> maybe, maybe when you see all the new 
mistings later on. You'll, you'll just be so amazed. New, new. New, new. Okay, we saw there's, there's three left, but we've gone really long today. So if yeah. any other people who sent in, we will get to yours next week. Uh, I missed Meow Meow, by the way. Oh, yeah. We, so we have some seen Meow Meow, huh? Uh, yeah, he just dropped off the face of the, the he planet. He did. I assume he's in Fadrex since that's where Set is now, but who knows? He could, <laughs> he, he could have died. There's, there's, there's going to be one of those things where Ellen's walking around the city, runs into Set and Yeoman having an argument. And he's like, hey, Set, where's your son? And Set just goes, oh, he died. Oh, yeah. Didn't, didn't, did I not mention that? Whatever. And so, Yeoman's just like, you're going to join him and throws him out. <laughs> and there was much rejoicing. And there was, yes, exactly. Yay! <laughs> so remember, six chapters, everyone, four next time. So if you're reading along, we are so close. If if you're reading along and you're not part of, you know, you're not part of the podcast crew who is not allowed to read more and you manage to stop yourself at what we're, we're reading for the show. I'm impressed because I don't know that I could do it. So kudos if, if, if you're uh, one of our read along friends. Thank you for sending emails. If you would like to send us an email, <laughs> it is the Sanderlanch at gmail.com. You can also find us on Podbean on Facebook on instagram and twitter all sorts of places music by miracle of sound and uh thanks everyone wasing to the time of next as the towers of steel and stone crumble to dust the foundations of our hope begin to rust choking fear screaming sound as a reaper comes to ground Turn to face it down because you must